Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey there, everybody. I'm Thomas Frank, and welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast. This show is in existence to help you become a more awesome college student, whether that be becoming a better studier, landing the job of your dreams, or paying off all your student debt. I want to help you achieve your goals. And guess what? It's episode 50. And since we happen to use a base 10 numeral system, and since it's half of 100, that somehow seems significant to me. Anyway, yeah, I'm pretty happy. It's been over two years since I started podcasting, and a lot of really cool stuff has happened. The show has grown a lot, and a lot of people seem to be liking it. So uh, it's definitely going to keep going. And before I introduce today's guest, I just want to give you a little bit of a rundown on what the future of the show holds. So over the past 50 episodes, I've done a lot of solo episodes, I've done a lot of interviews, and I've done a lot of reader Q&A sessions. And going forward, I think interviews are going to be the main focus of the show. So every single Monday at 6 a.m. Central, you can still expect to get a new interview with somebody focusing on a topic that should be relevant to you. Um, Now, in between episode 47 and 48, I believe, I did a bonus episode where I read a blog post, made an audio narration of it, and actually people really liked that. So while I'm not going to be doing that for every single blog post, you may see some surprise bonus episodes showing up in the feed from now on to sort of uh, augment what you find in the interview segments. Um, the Q&A sessions, those we probably don't have the time to do anymore in the podcast format, so I'm going to be um, kind of moving away from that for now, but you may see Q&A return in a different format, potentially on the YouTube channel, so definitely keep an eye out for that. And I do try to respond personally to people who email questions in, so if you do have questions about college, you can always email me. I'm thomas at collegeinfogeek.com, and I will try to get those questions answered. So, But yeah, keep your eyes out, um, keep them peeled for the future, and I may have some other type of Q&A style show, depending on my time and involvement with other projects. So today's conversation is with my friend Satchel Drakes, who runs a YouTube channel called Satch Bags Goods. And I'm just going to be honest here. This is a different type of episode than anything I've ever done before. And the reason for that is that most of the guests that I bring on the show, I bring for a focused reason. And we talk about a specific uh, topic. So like Issa was here to talk about community college and Tyler in episode 47, we talked about making friends as an introvert. Uh, Jay from last episode was talking about how to test out of college courses with club tests and stuff. And I love those episodes and they're definitely interesting to me and I want to get that information out to you. But as a content creator, I also have passions of my own and interests of my own and people that I look up to in my field. So let's go back a few months ago to when I actually started getting into YouTube. And to be honest, I think YouTube is actually the the content or the, the medium that I identify most with at this point. Um, I've been doing videos for about four or five months now. I think I started late August, so four and a half months about at this point. And when I get up on Monday morning every week, um, I make a blog post, I make a podcast episode usually, and I make a video. And the video is what gets me most excited these days. So I'm sort of starting to identify as a video producer and an author since I have a book out 
first and foremost, and the blogging and the podcasting are kind of secondary to those. I still like them, but video is what really gets me fired up. So, you know, as a result, I look up to a lot of people who make great video content online. And when I started, I started by watching people who just made vlogs, uh, people who would just start looking at the camera and turn it on and say things. And that was really good for me because I was able to get the confidence I needed to make a video. I knew all, all I had to do was stand in front of the camera, say my lines and put the video on YouTube. But once I did that, I sort of, I, I sort of did what I kind of always do with things and started asking, how could I improve this? So um, knowing you might know that I'm a huge fan of video games and I watch a lot of gaming channels and, uh, people who do game reviews on YouTube. And I started noticing a lot of the effort and a lot of the polish that would go into these videos. And I started thinking, could I do something like that with my channel? And if you've seen the later videos, you'll notice that there's a lot more, uh, time that goes into the editing process, graphical elements that pop up, transitions, all that jazz that wasn't in the first video, but you see them in every single video since then. And these are the types of channels that I got my main sources of inspiration from. People like Peanut Butter Gamer, uh, Cat Icarus, who's part of Hidden Block. It's a, a network of video game content creators. And uh, Satchel, who is, in my opinion, one of the best designers and creators of video game centric content on YouTube at all. His videos are absolutely amazing. Uh, they're well-written. I honestly thought he was a journalist at first because the the points that he talks about are very scholarly and they're very uh, well well analyzed. But the design that goes into his videos, the the polish and the, the structure of everything, the way he films everything, the way he does transitions and graphics, it's kind of a step above a lot of other videos I've seen. And I take a lot of inspiration from that. So I wanted to talk to somebody who was a role model for me and this episode is that. So uh, it's honestly, it's a conversation between two people who have similar interests and who are passionate about similar things. And we talk about video, we talk about podcasting, we talk about work-life balance. And I think it's an interesting conversa or a conversation. Um, if I were to try to sell it as something that belongs here on the podcast, I would say it serves as possibly inspiration for you to go out and do the same thing. Find somebody that does something that you want to do or that does something that you are doing and, and strike up a conversation with them, make a connection and some really cool things can happen. Um, I guess that's really all I have to say about that. So hopefully you enjoy the conversation. This is one of the longer episodes and I'm making it even longer with my intro here, but that's okay. Um, so I'll just blow through the rest of the intro here. You can get my book over at college slash book. It's called 10 steps to earning awesome grades while studying less. It's over a hundred pages and I definitely put a ton of work into it. So I'd love if you check it out. It's also free. And, uh, also I mentioned my email address before Thomas at college If you have questions about any part of the college experience, I will try my best to answer them in some capacity. It might be creating new content in the future based on your questions. It might be giving you a personal response, which I do try to do when I have time. And uh, it may be a new Q and a format in the future. If I can, if I can manage it. Um, you can subscribe to this show by going over to the show notes, which are at CIGpodcast.com. And if you scroll down, you can find the episode 50 list, uh, link in the list, and you'll find links to anything we mentioned. That's cool. You'll find, um, some videos from Satch, which are just amazing. So definitely check out the show notes. This is one of those episodes where you want to check out the show notes. And also you'll find a link to subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review if you want. So CIGpodcast.com. So that's all I have to say for this intro. Let's dive into this conversation. Enjoy. 
All right. Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, we're good? We're going? Yeah, dude. Yeah. And you <laughs> know like, what? Just like that. All right. Just like that. Yeah, I do. And see, like, you do podcasts with just uh, Nick, right? Or no, you do that uh, no, one no, no, video no. gamer too, to, Yeah, you? I do that one video gamer as well. And that yeah. that that is like a loose rotation, like when there's... Um, when 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 I when I have time on Thursdays, usually record on Thursdays. Like I'll uh, usually George, the guy who is the host, like every week, he'll send out an email like who's available out of everyone who's a part of TOVG, and then he'll be like, <laughs> I'm good, I'll do it, I'll jump on. And then some days, you know, I have to get videos done or whatever. Oh man, that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Okay, so well, actually, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do Listen Money Matters because I do this show and it's it's nothing but interviews. So it's usually with people I don't know, and I tell them, yeah, I'm gonna do the intro later, and then we we'll just jump in. And then I have to like put on broadcast mode, like broadcast Tom. Oh, then, I see what you're saying. Like, Wait, I didn't even know, dude, you don't understand. You're so, you say that you're struggling with articulation. You are so polished, like almost all the time. I don't even know when you're going in and out, dude. Get, you need to get out of here. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I, I think it's gotten better because I've done like 17 videos or whatever at this point. Wait, but, so, so tell me, are you working? Sorry, this is blinding my eyes. Are you working full? Are, are you working full-time alongside this or no this are is you, my full-time gig this is your full-time all right yeah. that's cool man yeah it's it's real fun and i i freaking love it because i can help students like be better which is kind of like my passion do, do you mind me let, let me know if i've crossed the line like it, it's ad revenue ad revenue sort of funding you right now like what's the it's like referrals for the most part yeah okay so like i have all like some wordpress tutorials and like amazon stuff so those are the big ones right now and i'm hoping to also branch into like public speaking Sure. So then schools can pay me to come talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually I don't do ads on YouTube. Um, yeah. I think it's like the big thing for most YouTube creators, right? Yeah. It's usually a combination of ad revenue and brand deals. Gotcha. Yeah. Or like, or like a DFTBA does like posters and shirts and stuff. Yeah. There's, there's um, merch as well. That, that's also, that's another thing. Yeah. So like for me, uh, I started as a blogger and then podcast was the second thing. So, you know, and that's, kind of where the income happens is on my website. So I figured if I have ads on my videos, it's going to be like more friction to get people to like become fans of the whole site as a, as a one product. Sure. So I decided not to do ads, at least at this point, like my channel's not that big. No. Yeah. No, I totally hear you. I mean, even for me, um, I think I think, well, for definitely like in direct comparison to my peers, my channel is, is objectively small, but on top of that, like, it's something I'm always considering. Like, even though I do put have ads on my videos, there's a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility as to how many ads you can have, how frequently you want them to show up, how mm. long you want the ad to be. And I definitely lean a little bit more on the liberal side, like the the lenient side, just because I don't I don't know. Like, I I'm not really sure what the average sorry, average audience <laughs> retention average audience retention is for. Um, things like that, slowly feeling it out and figuring out if people are willing to, uh, uh, wait through that stuff or if there's too much friction, like you mentioned. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm not like totally sure. Does gaming have like a good, I guess, demographic for advertisers? Um, yeah, usually people are always trying to sell a game or, um, okay. anything vaguely related to consumer electronics you'll find on there. Uh, um, at least for me, like if you're, like if you're with a network, I think, if you're just using Google ads, uh, independently, um, the ads can be kind of ambiguous. That's what I think. Um, mm. I'd like to give Google more credit, but I think generally like the ads are ambiguous. They're just like generic ads. And then, um, 
usually the benefit comes from being with a network where they, based on the kind of content you're doing, the kind of content they're focusing on, they can kind of cherry pick the ads that seem the most relevant to the audience that you're reaching out to. And usually that just means more click-throughs, which means more money. Yeah. 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 You're more effective if they're advertising everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess for me, it's like, I want the click throughs to go to my website. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> totally, dude. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I guess that was a question I had. Is Normal Boots like a network? Because I've always just kind of seen it as like a group of friends who wanted to make videos together. It's a collective. By the way, is is this podcast a... Sorry for ask. Is this podcast a audio or video? It's audio. It's, it's just audio. Okay, great. Yeah, I just do video because I like having face. No, no. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, Normal Boots is a collective. It's not a network. However, it's a network in a sense that um, Normal Boots is another venue for revenue, um, generally high Mm. revenue because it's all first-party stuff. Um, So anything that's on the site, we have a proprietary player with its own set of ads that's being run by the wonderful folks at ScreenWave Media. And uh, that's uh, that's another venue for revenue as well. Do you guys still do the thing where you like post the video there first and then to YouTube or are you like no. simultaneously? We actually did that in the beginning and okay. then um, over time we decided to revert to the YouTube model just because YouTube is such an influential tool. Um, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It's, it is a huge challenge. And even as we first started discussing it, I would see that it was definitely a huge challenge for um, – Channels, even with channels with with huge influence and huge followings, to hop off of YouTube and get people to go there. Um, mm. Obviously, there's theoretically a big benefit of jumping off because you do get um, a, a higher CPM and there you ha- you have a lot more control and even splits are lower. To, if, if if you're doing it all in house, there's no split, right? You just have yeah. control. Um, but if you do hire someone to do it, which is you know more commonly the case, like the split would be smaller, um, but it's it's just it's so hard to combat that stuff. And actually, the situation some one of the situations we ran into were fans would just watch it on the site first, rip it or capture it, throw it up on YouTube, and then that would get a whole ton of views. And oh, like yeah, it it can get it it, it can I didn't even think it, about that go that way. So it was, it was definitely a challenge, and I think a lot of people just reverted back to um, uploading on YouTube and Normal Boots simultaneously. Okay. And you still get a good amount of viewers on normal boots either way. Um, I think comparatively it's the same. Yeah. Okay. Um, what I what I did notice with my videos is I think definitely, and I think the other guys felt it too. Probably is that there was uh, less views on YouTube afterwards. Okay. For for the for the videos, or at least initially, I remember kind of keeping track for the first week and. I remember not getting the same numbers I did when I released it first, which I guess in some capacity makes sense. There's definitely a level of risk to it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So what I'm curious about, and you're probably going to like rebuff me here, but like, I think you're among like the top like 2%, 1% of like quality videos on YouTube. And I mean, I don't know, man, you can, you can like, get out of here, man. I don't deny know. All you want. At least, know. at least in like gaming and vlog style stuff, like the quality you put into it is amazing. Like there, I, I go to your videos to like learn how to be a better video maker. That's super encouraging to hear. I mean, I <laughs> appreciate that for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just going to like, I'm going to let you just like have to have to talk, and like throw a weird compliment out there. And then, and now I'm just going to be silent. No, but I'm curious. So you, you know, you went to school for graphic design. I think you told me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but your UX designer is like your your day job, right? I, it's a or mixed bag. It- I think with most people in our generation, right? Um, like millennial, post millennial, we're we're all sort of, especially like for the creative class of workers, we're all kind of generalists, right? And we're kind okay. of yeah. with that where. Um, it's not necessarily so cut and dry where it's like jack of all trades, master of none, but actually for whatever reason, I mean, maybe it's, oh gosh, I'm using all these buzzwords, just kill me. <laughs> but like maybe it's attributed to the information age or something related to the fact that we have access to all of these tutorials and, and, mm-hmm. and, and means of education through YouTube. And, um, even the fact that, um, a lot of that stuff is independent and not polished in, in a certain way. Like we have very relatable people conveying like how to use different tools, uh, for myself and for a lot of people at my job. Um, we wear a lot of hats. So my title is senior user experience designer. I do user experience sometimes. I do creative sometimes. I do videography sometimes, animation sometimes. And sometimes even like the more Microsoft Office-y stuff like requirements and whatever less that but that's the <laughs> you know what i mean or like jumping on a call to talk to a client like you know yeah like, yeah is it a pretty small studio then it's about 40 people oh uh, wow okay I, yeah when i first signed on it was just over a dozen uh you know closer to like 18 i think and uh i think it still had it was still it still kind of fell under startup a little bit and then over time like you know the numbers doubled and you know um, the project started getting bigger. So I guess now we're, we're no longer kind of like, it feels weird because when you go in, it's, it's, it's a, where I work, like the building, it's a refurnished barn, essentially. It's a oh, barn really? and a 100 year old, like antique shop that got repurposed to like a place where people make apps and stuff. Right. Okay. But, um, we definitely still function. I mean, we definitely had to have a conscious cultural shift to, um, not a startup. I, I, I <laughs> guess, I guess I want to use the word more corporate in a kind of way, but it really that's what it is. Functionally, I mean, we're dealing with corporations now. And in that regard, like there is a certain level of accountability and a certain, uh, tier of understanding within management and, and stuff like that that's required. So I guess culturally, um, I, I want to say from on, on the professional facet end, definitely corporate on the culture end, somehow we've still managed to preserve um, a lot of the culture. Obviously some things mm. can't continue. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we're not going to be playing ping pong or whatever, <laughs> or whatever every startup has in their little like intro video or whatever, like playing yeah. and drinking coffee and stuff. But there's lots of coffee though. That That's still there. Um, but there there's you know, coffee. Yeah. But there, I, I would say from my perspective, there's a healthy balance of professionalism where there needs to be. And then culture, which you know, it's always nice. Yeah. Well, it's surprising to me is that you guys have 40 people now, but you're still like personally hopping between all these different, uh, skill areas and even like doing client stuff, you know, like on the phone, Microsoft office, that kind of stuff at this point, even though you've grown a lot. Um, it's honestly management. Like, is uh, it? It, yeah, our, our CEO is pretty dope. He's, he's very, uh, he actually started off in creative. He was a designer and uh, he wanted to start a company where people made, I forget what it was in the beginning. I think it was like rugs or something, something random. And then somehow it turned into like websites and then it turned into apps or whatever. But um, at his core, he, I mean, he handles himself like a boss, but um, at his core, 
he still values the importance of creative cultivation, you know, and mm. he still values the importance of rest. Like, for example, I go home at five, which is not a thing in my field. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do that. You're kind of ruled by the deadline. And obviously, like when push comes to shove and there's important stuff to do, we do it. But mm-hmm. um, there is still uh, – it's still healthy, in a kind of way, which, uh, which is great. Like when one thing we used to have was, uh, we used to have, uh, art history teacher come in like once, once a week and teach us like drawing basics and like art history stuff. Seriously? Yeah. That's super cool. It was, it was, it was great for like, for one, it added to culture a great deal. Another, um, we got to communicate like our creative team. We got to communicate. It was open for everybody really. So our creative team and anyone else who was interested, um, got to communicate on a more conceptual level without the pressure of like clients or deadlines. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and in that regard, I found that to be very, very helpful. And it kind of gives you the opportunity to let somebody who's more of a novice sort of get their feet wet and then provide that perspective. Mm-hmm. Cause I've realized that, you know, when, once you do something for so long, you start, like glossing over things that a beginner would see. Definitely. It's really interesting. It, it like, added to our processes. Or go ahead. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just like, like with, the, well, with my design, like on my website, I've been looking at it for so long. And then my girlfriend will see something and be like, that's not obvious to a normal person like that. You're supposed to do that. And I'm like, Oh, I don't even <laughs> think about that. Cause I, I built it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a, a, an author's blindness that gets surfaced when you start learning fundamental stuff again. And yeah. especially when you're around a lot of people. So if you're learning with other people, everyone just generally starts loosening up and they're able to talk to each other about each other's work. And it's not like a thin skinned, like finger pointy thing. Like, well, you yes. suck. <laughs> you know, it's not like that, you know? Yeah. And as a entrepreneur, that's why I like talking to people who work in like very different fields. For sure. So you just kind of like have discussions with people who don't do the exact same thing you do. And then you can get new ideas and it's just fun as well. I think. No doubt. I totally agree. Yeah. I, I, so I love that you get to go home at five. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you like the video I put up today, I think uh, has been this like this philosophical shift I've had when it comes to work where I need to let myself have fun time, like structured, like hours long fun time, because if I don't, then I'll just act like I'm working all the time, but then I'll be distracted half the time and like on Reddit or Facebook or something that's not really fun and never really, really just gives me a recharge, but just right. extends my work time to forever. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're like, no, I'm going to be done at six or five for you, I guess. And I'm going to go play a game or I'm going to hang out with friends. Then I can like be more efficient with my actual work time. Definitely. Which is pretty cool. And one thing I found, are you familiar with Jonathan Blow at all? Mm-mm. Okay. He's the developer for Braid. Um, oh, Okay. Right. Like pretty much, I guess, historically the most successful and the first successful as it was indie game of all time. And he's an extremely intelligent guy. Like sometimes what I'll do is, I mean, if I'm stuck or if I'm trying to grow or trying to change the way that I do things, like I guess from a productivity standpoint, I'll just go into YouTube and I'll type John Blow talks. You know what I mean? And his, his presentations, I mean... Not only are they they stellar and intricate, but he has an interesting – he had this interesting exposition about um, the importance of rest. And I, for me, like 
I had mentors who always tried to instill the importance and value of rest. But um, one thing that he talked about, especially with creativity and with getting new ideas, um, he found that he was only able to really land on solid ideas when he wasn't intentionally thinking about it. And like he said that mm. like he would carve out every week, like he would go out into the city and he would just go dancing or whatever. And that he would always run into situations where he's a developer. So he would run into these development problems and he would never know how to solve them or he would just give himself a headache or get anxious to find an answer. And whenever he went out dancing at the end of the night, he would have a napkin in the back of his pocket and all these ideas would come to his mind and he'd just be able to jot Aww. them down. And like when he said that, I was like, that's totally true. Like you don't like culturally the idea is that we work to rest, right? We kind of like earn our yeah. time off. That's why it's called like time off and like time on is working. But in my head, I feel like it's almost organically the other way around where we rest to work and through rest, we gain the capacity to work really well. I don't know. Yeah. There's so, uh, there's a book called a mind for numbers and it's all about how to become a better math learner. But in, the author talks about this uh, guy named Magnus Carlson, who's the current number one chess player in the world. And when he was 13, he, you know who Gary Kasparov is? No, I don't. The guy, so he, uh, IBM made this chess playing computer called Deep Blue. And it was the first one that was able to beat a chess champion. And it was Gary Kasparov was the person it beat, but he was widely considered to be the best chess player of all time. And this 13 year old kid plays him to a draw. But if you watch the match, the, the kid gets up uh, and Magnus like walks around and looks at other tables and sort of just like rests his mind a little bit during the match. And, the author talks about like this, this concept of diffuse mode thinking versus uh, focus thinking. So focus thinking is when you're really in the trenches doing the development problem. And then diffuse thinking is when you go out dancing and you just kind of let your whole brain mull a problem over. It's not really all focused up here in this like prefrontal cortex area. And that's where right. connections are made. So yeah, it's kind of the same thing where you got to give your mind a rest and then good things happen. Definitely. It's so have, cool. have you, have you ever, so, I mean, what, what's your solution? Like what, what do you, what's your unwind thing? <laughs> what's your totem <laughs> inception talk? What's your totem? Uh, it's a little top and I put it on the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, you guys should do an episode about inception. It's funny. Uh, out of the three movies you've done so far, I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> okay. We just recorded inception yesterday. So, Oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I'm stoked. That's why, that's why it's on the mind. <laughs> nice. I've seen that movie like three or four times. I haven't seen any of the three that, that you're talking about, uh, currently, but yeah, I, my, my girlfriend makes fun of me for being super phasic because I'll be like super stoked about one thing and like go through a phase. And then the next week it's a different thing. Oh dude, I'm the same way. Yeah. I obsess. That's the only way I can get through, but I found <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it now because I've accepted that it's just a marriage because I grow from it. Like, yeah, I need to get obsessed with something and then play it out and then realize why the romance was silly in the first place. And then <laughs> I learn more that way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. So I think the one thing that I've consistently stuck with as like a totem quote unquote has been dance dance revolution. I've been playing that since nice. I was 12 and luckily we still have a machine in town so I can go down there, play a few games. That's tight. Keeps me in shape, which is nice, but it's also just like, I don't know. It's just beautiful to play. <laughs> For sure. So that's my going out and dancing. That's cool, man. Yeah. Are but, you, what, what, what level are you, man? What level? Uh, you know? Heavy doubles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I play it on doubles. I can't like do the crazy in the groove, like, <laughs> insane songs yet. But uh, my goal right now is to beat every song on doubles in on the old extreme mode. 
Like that's the, tight. Is that, that, that that's how you, that's how you stay fit. Yeah. <laughs> well, my girlfriend and I go to the gym too, which okay. we were like off the routine for a while. And then we just went back on Monday and I'm feeling like rubber right now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like doing the seven minute workout every morning would keep me from like getting <laughs> bad, but it didn't work. <laughs> I feel terrible right now. So we need to get back into the habit of that. But yeah, it's fun. It does keep you in shape. Um, otherwise it's been like Civ five right now. Just okay. So, so much time into Civ five. <laughs> that's great. I can um, see uh, using your strategy smarts to uh, wreck some fools. I wouldn't put it back. <laughs> <laughs> I would go for science victory. I don't want to do like dominion victory. It seems too messy. <laughs> I don't know. Cause like you build units and then they die. So I'm like, why don't I just invest that into science, which doesn't die. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> that's great. I have like this, uh, this fantasy, that I get amazingly good at strategy games, like like super complicated ones like Crusader Kings, and then I can just like, get into it and know every little nook and cranny. Sure, but sure. it takes so much of a time investment, and when you work all the time, it's very difficult to really sink your teeth into a game. Yeah, no, I totally feel you. Like even with, which it's supposed to be ironic because I make videos about games, I don't <laughs> really get to play games that often, frankly. Yeah. The, um, but friend, friends will add me on Steam and they're like, yeah, we should totally play a game together. And then they see like my Steam activity. They're like, dude, you don't play any games. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just playing with 3DS, which sometimes I am really, but yeah, um, it's, 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 it's just as difficult finding time to play games as it is, uh, finding time to edit all the things that may or may not be about games. Yeah. Just- it's, and it's really weird. My my friends will make fun of me. They're like, "Why do you watch every single hidden block a normal boots person? And why do you watch let's plays but you don't play games?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I think it's because there's just this commitment, like this time commitment. You have to sink into a game. And often, I don't know, you're so preoccupied with like projects you want to do, you just can't do it. So you're like, I'm just gonna yeah. see what's new on Satis channel or see what's new on like PBG or something. And that's yeah. only gonna take 20 minutes at most. So I don't know. I enjoy it. Definitely. But also, I just enjoy." I learn it from it as well. You know, I've been doing videos for three or four months now. And at first my inspiration was just dude, bloggers. Out of here, man. Yeah. Well, know, okay. Your sound and lighting is solid, dude. Oh, thanks dude. <laughs> um, I had some help. I did have some help. My friend, sure. Andrew, I we think all he do. went, he went to school for this stuff and he was like, Wistia learning library, man. So I don't know if you heard of Wistia. Still learn. No, no, I haven't. What so, is, is that like Linda? Uh, kinda. Wistia is a video hosting platform. So if you want to have like videos that you put on your own site that are not like on YouTube or anything, uh, you can pay for Wistia and they have amazing analytics, like far better than what you get on YouTube. Okay. You can see like exactly where people leave the video, like when they have the tab active on the video, I think like all sorts of crazy stuff. Okay. Um, so it's like, it's really good for people that want to build it on their own site as a platform. That's and cool. I was like, you know, I want I want YouTube to be my platform because it's going to be a growth arm. But they have this library of really cool videos just to teach you how to make videos. And they have one called the DIY lighting kit. So I don't know if you know this, but my nice. lighting is like dish lights from the Home Depot with regular light bulbs screwed into them and then just okay. like diffusion paper clothes pinned over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's That's like how it's really, done, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really sketch, but it works. It, I mean, it looks good. Yeah, man. Light is light, dude. That's tight. <laughs> yeah. And then I got like uh, lamp dimmers. To dim it, which works really well. But That's cool. How, how much? How much in total did that set you back? Um, the lighting kit was probably maybe a hundred bucks with the stands. Okay, and I probably could have done it for less, but I ended up buying like several types of light bulbs and 
then breaking a few and realizing some of them wouldn't work. Okay. Got I had to learn that CFLs are not by nature dimmable. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to get dimmable ones. And even the dimmable ones aren't even that dimmable. They're like half dimmable like, and then tick, they shut tick. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I'll get it like at the very lowest dim setting. And then if I accidentally like kick the dimmer while I'm filming, I just am screwed it just up. falls off. Yeah. <laughs> I have to do it all over again. Yeah. Um, but my, my first inspiration was like vloggers and they just talked. Right. And I guess that was kind of what helped me get into it because it wasn't so intimidating if I could just talk and somehow build a presence that way. Yeah. Um, but then I started finding channels like yours and like uh, caddies and uh, PPGs. And like, I was, oh, these people are like adding editing and, and making cool things. And I find myself watching them more and being more engaged. So I just started studying the stuff that you guys are making. And sure. even though it was applied to gaming, I was like, you know, I can apply some of these kind of things to to college videos. Dude, for sure. When, when, how did you even get that idea? I have so many questions for you. <laughs> I think you're the coolest person in the world. Can nah, I just man. say that? No, nah, man, you are. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious to know the inspiration for making like this sort of like web resource and like the, the, I guess the, the work and the steps that went into putting together your ebook. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> where, where should I start? Like how the whole thing started? Yeah. <laughs> Highlights. <laughs> yeah. Sure, man. Um, so, and, and in exchange, I want to know how you started making videos, but I'll sure, start. Sure. So uh, the, the short story is that when I was a freshman, I applied to write for like an established college blog, which I was a huge fan of. Um, I, I have this thing where I become fans of things and then I want to immediately join it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I applied and they rejected me and I had this post I'd written and I was like, I don't want this to go to waste. So why not start my own blog? Uh, and it, I just like through most of college, I just wrote on what I was doing to be a better student and people started reading and eventually I was like, well, maybe I could make this a business and not have to leave my friends when I graduate. I think that was a big yeah. motivation. I didn't want to leave my friends. And uh, it worked out. So it was it was just writing. I eventually started the podcast because I was listening to podcasts. And I went to a media conference where one person presented on podcasting. And they, they said something that really stuck with me about how when you make a podcast, you sort of build a connection with your listeners that you can't get through writing. They almost feel like they know you. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, I feel like I know the people I listen to. So I'm going to make a podcast and just throw it up there. So I think that was kind of like the the path that led me down this, you know, this road to where I could eventually say, oh, videos aren't that bad. You know, they're not that yeah, scary, yeah, yeah. even if I don't have all the equipment. Because yeah. I, you know, the people that I watch make videos, they're like, oh, I have a Canon Rebel 5D with, right. you know, $500 lighting kit. I don't and- <laughs> even have any of that. I'm using T3i. I'm still using the budget stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm on an even more budget camera than you are. Uh, Wait, I'm using... A Sony NEX 5N. It's not even a DSLR. Okay, like the it's a mirrorless camera. Like a okay, like a like a handicap. Dude, there are some really nice mirrorless cameras right now. Have you seen the A7S? I don't know. I don't know if you're like so. super. I don't. I don't know if you go super gearhead. Or maybe I, can I do a little bit. Too. Actually, okay. I have. I have like an article that I was scrolling through this morning on new cameras because I'm thinking about upgrading it. Okay, um, yeah. A lot of people are. A lot of videographers, especially. I don't know if you're familiar with Philip Bloom. He's like my. DP idol right now. He has been for, I guess, maybe like just over a year now. But, um, a lot of, uh, 
I guess, director of photography, like obviously by proxy video videography, like enthusiasts have been talking about mirrorless cameras and a lot of the advantages they provide, like some of the, the some of the disadvantages is like having the mirror is like really good if you're like looking to focus in on this leaf in this forest that's like a mile away. But like mm-hmm. um, for a lot more commonplace, like regular uses, even, even more abstract ones, mirrorless cameras offer greater advantages in low light and things like that. And I I don't know, there are a whole bunch of like articles and YouTube videos about it now. And like, um, the Sony a seven S is one, I would definitely toss that model over to you to just set aside and kind of take a look at, I can send you a whole bunch of videos that were shot on it. It's phenomenal. I haven't gotten one yet. So obviously I can't like you know, take take my words with a grain of salt, but people I yeah. trust have gotten it, and it's it's, okay. it's 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 interesting. So there are advantages of the mirrorless over like DSLRs. Yes, yes. Oh. I think I think specifically for video, but I think photography okay. lends in there lends in there as well. But yeah, sorry, that was a tangent, <laughs> dude. That's totally cool, and uh, like I would love to pick your brain about gear at some point because eventually I think I do want to upgrade my video setup. The one pain point. I have two pain points with my camera right now. One, the focus. And I don't know if this is like universal to cameras or not, but if I focus on my face and then the camera has to shut off and turn back on, the focus is reset. So what? Yeah. The lens doesn't like, yeah, it's like weird. Like it's got a focus ring and I focus in on my face, but then if I turn the camera off and back on, it's like unfocused. So it's, there's some weird, like, that's weird. I'm not sure what's going on there, but it's hard because I mean, I'm sure you're, familiar with like not having a partner to do videos with you just have to focus it on like right just me yeah a stand and then go stand right where the stand was yeah <laughs> i've definitely though to be fair i've definitely shot like super long shots and then i look back at the footage just like it's out of focus what happened <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i stepped forward oh i forgot when i leaned forward to pick up that thing or i don't know oh but do you dude, have a monitor that you set up like to- now i now i do i mean that was, okay. that was that was years ago now i don't i don't run into that problem like you make the same mistake enough times and like yes you just don't even like, even if like you're like sweaty and like you just want to get it done, like you're just like, <laughs> no, we're doing every precaution. I'm going to record the sample video, throw it on the SC, throw it on the computer, see if it works and then go back to it because I don't, no one wants to go, no one wants to go back to. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you're like so scared the lighting's going to be different and like. Yeah. It's, it's I don't it's shoot on a much. tripod. So because my, tri- my tripod is not tall enough to to like have my face in focus and not have the light up there in focus. So I set it on top of the bookshelf behind okay, me. Okay. Yeah, and I like, Th- wait, how tall it. are you? I'm six, two. Holy so. crap. Get out of here, dude. Wait, are you still coming to the city? Is yeah, man, a- I'm coming okay. March 5th, I think. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Holy crap. I had no idea. Are all you right. not? Dude, I always I'm- like assume <laughs> everyone's like six foot online. <laughs> I'm six. I'm, I'm, I'm six foot. It's just, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just- <laughs> Yeah, some people are like, I thought you were going to be short. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know that I I stopped myself because it sounds weird. And I was like, you look like you could be a short person. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Anyway, it's hard because all you ever see is like people from their shoulder. The upper torso. Yeah. 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 But I'm six. So I I think if I got like a a taller tripod, it would be much better because I could set it where it's supposed to go. But as it stands, it's got to go on that. Dude, anytime. You are not a nuisance. I mean, if you need help with any kind of equipment stuff, I'd love to like, I've made a lot of mistakes and I'd love to share the fruits of those mistakes with you. <laughs> sure, man. Yeah, I'd love to awesome. make recommendations, whatever. <laughs> we can, we can, we can always talk about equipment stuff. I'm always down for that. Sweet. Any, anything I do to help out, whatever you're doing. Yeah. And likewise. So yeah, that's my, my little video process. Oh, oh, that's the, 
cool, cool thing. Like as you do videos, you get a process. And it's funny, like the first time I did a video, I was like, ooh, I'm going to make it perfect. It's going to be so good. It's going to be like as good as PG uh-huh. videos and everything. And it was okay. But now like 17 later, I realized there are things I didn't even think of. Like now I step off the frame. So I have just a shot of my backdrop that I can use in the thumbnail. If I want to like move my face or something, like cut it out. Oh, I couldn't call. do that before. Good call. Good call. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like now I remember, okay, I need to clap so I can sync the audio and the and the video and I need to make stupid faces before I start filming. So I have like a thumbnail face instead of just trying to like find the exact moment exactly, where my face yeah. is blurry. <laughs> exactly. And like, you don't do that. Cause I think you just have what thumbnails I do, that are like just designed. Yeah. But, yeah. I've, yeah. I have thumbnails that are just designed. Oh, I thought you meant for like, if you're like capture, capture and logging, like, cause for me, I'll have like a specific line and I'll say it maybe like six or seven times. And I'm oh. so to let myself know the beginning of each set, what I do is, in the preview, it'll show me the video alongside the waveform. So I clap mm-hmm. before each one so that the peak shows that there's a big bump yeah. in the waveform. And then for the one where I'm like, no, 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 this is it. This <laughs> is it. I just like wave my arms like a maniac. That way when I scrub to that section, I can like, you know. Oh, yeah. that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, my friend Caleb, I think he does like three snaps if he does it wrong and then like claps five times if he gets it right or something. There you go, yeah. One thing you can do if you have like thumbnails enabled on the timeline is you can cover the lens when you get a good shot. So then you can look for like the the – uh totally black bars and then you're like all right that's where i was that's where you started yeah yeah all right i'm doing that one (laughs) (laughs) the waveform works too though honestly like i i knew that and then i just haven't done it for whatever reason i think it's because mike that's one of the other pain point that i was going to talk about with my camera it overheats after like oh no yeah so it's like and i don't know what it is my room is usually nicely ventilated but the moment like it's like there's some force in nature that knows I'm going to film and then starts raising the temperature in my room. <laughs> so the room gets unbearably hot and I'm like, okay, I've got about 15 minutes max to do this. And I never prepared the script well enough. So oh, I just dude. like stand there and just try to do it. And That's like, so hard. Yeah. That's so hard. I'd be so hot and bothered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a question. Do you write your scripts out or do you just like bullet them? It's a mix. Um, okay. In the beginning, mm, in the beginning, it was just straight up script. Okay. And then actually in the beginning it was straight up script and what I would do is I would like memorize uh like a paragraph or whatever and then go for it and that took a super long time. And then yeah. um I got one of those like little lily put monitors. They're like these seven inch HDMI monitors that sit on the hot shoe of your DSLR. Okay. And like I put lines on those. And um at first it was just taking that as gospel, but then over time, like as I got new ideas talking about stuff or whatever, like I might start off on the script and then go off and so it's been it's been a mix, but mostly script stuff. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so one of the decisions I made consciously was to do one video a week. Because uh, I have That's good. like a role model guy who does like a video every day. So I was like, you know, I can be That's consistent. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but part of the reason, like part of the, the drawback with that is I can't always put as much time as I want to into every single process. That's right. Process. So writing the script, right. the couple of times I try to write the script, I write it and then immediately like go to filming. So then I'm like sitting there like nervous, the camera's on, like trying to memorize a line and then say it and then I always mess it up. So now I just bullet it and hopefully get it. And yeah. sometimes I'll like go drive somewhere in my car and just like talk the video to my voice recorder and sort of like get my thoughts out. Yeah, man. I do that too. <laughs> I do a brain dump and then you have to sit through and sift through and then I write down the bullets from the yeah. memo. <laughs> yeah. So did you start making videos like before you got your job? Was it like something you were doing in college or was it like 
now you're in your job and I want to start just putting the things you were doing at work into a video? Um, it was, I started making videos in high school. Uh, okay. went to, I went to a magnet school and in it, it was sort of like, it was unorthodox in a sense that you chose a major when you went in. So the idea was that they would, yeah. The idea huh. is that you would, you would pick a focus and they would equip you for that focus. And then, you know, hopefully you would follow through through college. Like it was a very, like, they kept using the word in some ways it was an enjoyable experience in some ways it wasn't because they're okay. a very aggressive school. So like their, their thing was like, we always want to make sure that you're competitive, you're competitive <laughs> and all that other stuff. And sometimes the politics around like being competitive was like, it was too much. Um, mm-hmm. But in other ways it equipped us because we were always thinking about like the next step. So like they had programs dedicated to like getting us into internships and um, training us to training us to apply to college well and be mindful of college well, which was something that turned out to be ultimately valuable. But part of the whole like program was um, I chose, there was IT, biomedicine, law and pre-engineering. I was in IT, um, which is essentially just comp sci. Yeah. And um they had these computer labs and they had these Mac labs with like iMovie and Final Cut stuff on. And we did, I, at that point in time, I had never touched like Apple computer ever. Um, but I started falling in love with like iMovie and Final Cut. And there would be some classes where you could um, – it was pretty much just a scapegoat for me where it, it, teachers would be like, oh, yeah, you read this book or did this thing. You could write an essay or you can make a video. So it was like, um, video because <laughs> I don't want to write an essay. Yeah. And so that's as far as origins, that's when I started making videos. They weren't good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then in college, when DSLR film really started to be a thing, which is probably like sophomore, junior year of college, um, I took it really seriously because um, I fell in love with the idea of making films that had depth of field. It was the one thing that was in point and shoot cameras and the, the camcorders that um, I – it was one of those things where the moment you realize like what that is and the kind yeah. of power you have over it, I was like, okay, now I want to start doing videos again. Like I have this power over these specific things that are really aesthetically pleasing for me. And I, I think that I can convey a story. Well, I think at that point I was just focused on making the prettiest thing that I could make. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, so in college I took, you know, classes or whatever. And then after college was when, I wanted to um, I wanted to have something – I wanted to have a creative thing that I went to that was sort of a break from graphic design because mm. that's what I was doing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you were like – so you just kind of applied it to video then? Let me know when I'm going on too long. I never <laughs> know when I'm just going on and on and on. I <laughs> know, uh, man. Like seriously, this is a very conversational thing. Like part of the reason the start of the podcast was like, I bet that people who are really cool will want to talk to me if I have a podcast. (laughs) Dude, I would talk to you regardless, man. (laughs) Well, Hey man, that's, that's super cool. Um, and I definitely appreciate it, but I guess like that was, that was kind of the idea in the, at the first part. Like, I don't know if you know, like Gary Vaynerchuk is, I think he's in New York and like super huge guy and, uh, probably would never have given me the time of day if I just wanted to like pick his brain. Then he was like, Oh yeah, I'll be on the podcast. What? <laughs> I'm a college student. No. Gary yeah. Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk, yeah. Vaynerchuk. Today in GV. He's like a pretty cool uh-huh. guy. Oh, cool. Look at all this content here. I haven't I haven't heard of his stuff before, but this looks cool. He yeah, he he was like one of the early guys in like web shows. He like went about wine 
because like he was that was his his thing, kind of like his area of expertise growing up. Okay, well here's and, him, here's him in a photo with Jay Z, so he must be important. <laughs> <laughs> he does know some pretty well known people. <laughs> That's tight. Oh no, he has a Wikipedia page. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, well he did this thing back in like 2012 i think or maybe 2013 where it was like i'm gonna do an interview every day with one person and i think like he quit halfway through but i got in like at the tail end so i got right. to, and it was like the most nerve-wracking thing ever like he was very like he was in a car i think going to a meeting and then just like talking to me on the phone <laughs> i had to teach myself how to record phone calls <laughs> skype's skype's easy but how do you record a phone call yeah 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 and he picks up the phone and he's just like let's do it that's crazy. No <laughs> like, okay. That's cool. And it was like the seventh interview I'd ever done. So I was like, uh, okay, let's, let's try it. That's cool, man. Dude, so you must be like an experienced interviewer, man. That's cool. <laughs> I have done maybe close to 40 or 50 now. Damn. Yeah. It does get easier, but it's still, it's still tough, especially when you don't know the person at all. And for the other podcasts I do, we bring on a lot of people who I just have no idea what they do. Yeah. They just like, they're, Oh, this person runs like this financial resource thing. Okay. And it's like, it's like a networking event, but with the pressure of knowing that a bunch of people are going to hear it. Right. Uh, right. It's tough. Right. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like you have to, you have to be in like presenter mode and you're like, okay, this is a show, but I don't know this person and I, I want to make it seem conversational and like casual. That's definitely <laughs> a skill within itself. And, and the more and more I watch interviews, um, the the more and more I, I kind of see just how conscious of an effort it is and, and, and all the nuances that, that um, interviewers take on. So, I mean, I have a great, a great respect for that. That that's super mm. tight. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. But so it's, it's easier when you've like watched the work somebody's done. So I, I've watched a bunch of your videos and like we talked on Twitter a couple of times. And I'm like, okay, I know you're a cool guy. I've like seen your work. I've talked to some of the people, you know, so it's a lot easier, but with some of them, it's like, also, I think you're just a very conversational person. Some people, oh, cool. I'm, some people I, are like, yeah, it's like pulling teeth. <laughs> that's encouraging to hear because I know my Myers Briggs is a I'm an integer, so that's oh really? I know, yeah, yeah. I, I land on introverted, but the it's like introverted, but in certain introverted, but um, capable of being an extrovert in particular circumstances or whatever for me, it's just super comfortable. Cause yeah, we talked and I think your stuff's really cool. So yeah, that's all. Uh, it takes. <laughs> so I guess, and like, it seems like a lot of our, like, even if, even if we do different, like, even though we're different types of content creators and so there is some overlap there, but even though we are different content creators in some kind of ways, like the fact that you share in the pain of like revising workflows and finding <laughs> ways to be more efficiently productive and that internal battle with like our laziness and things like that. I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot to relate to in that that makes it very easy to. Yeah. Plus I think if I had time, I would have a game channel of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you, I don't play that many games, but I'm just fascinated by them. Like the stories and the graphics and just like the mechanics and everything. I would do that if I had the time to put that much effort into it. Um, but it's just like a lot of the same, you know, we do a lot of the same things, even if it's a different subject matter. Definitely. And I get a lot of inspiration from it. It's funny. My girlfriend sent me a personality thing today today in our Slack chat. Okay. And I'm an ENTJ, which I usually get. But um, I think I always get ENTJ because of what I've like forced myself to become. I think I'm technically an uh, introvert as well. Okay. It's weird. Like there's all like all of us people that put things out on the internet and stick our necks out, but we're like introverts. 
at heart. Yeah. There's, <laughs> a, there's always, I, I always find it really interesting, like, like genuinely interesting when like, um, I've, so I guess ever since I really started doing YouTube stuff, I've been making a lot of friends on the internet first, specifically on Twitter. Mm. And like, you know, we'll have a lot of really interesting conversations and it might carry its way over to Skype and it may even carry its way over to like Skype, like video chats, you know, and then we'll, they're like, it's interesting meeting someone in a convention or whatever in real life and you find out that they're super, super quiet. But we started off having all of these really like, like, like involved, sometimes existential conversations on the internet. But the moment you meet in real life, it's so different. I don't know. I, I yeah. find that really, I find it cool, honestly. It is cool. The context really changes things a lot. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, I haven't gone to a lot of gaming conventions. That kind of, one thing that intimidated me was I felt like, like I'm, I was watching all these channels that you, you guys make, like PBG makes, like Catacris and everyone. I felt like since I didn't make gaming content, I wouldn't have a common ground. And then like, like, why would they want to talk to me? I don't have a game channel. You know, I'm not like, part of uh, boots or part and then and then like i try to reach out and then you're like oh hey we're interested in a bunch of other things that are not games yeah of or, course like, you have stuff like, that's not you know gaming related but i'm still interested i'm like oh okay yeah fr- frankly i'm that's not cool. even sure i i mean i can't speak for other people but i don't even think that would be the case at all like when 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 my friends and i get together at conventions and we hang out the last thing we talk about is a thing that we do all the time oh really <laughs> you know, yeah <laughs> i mean you know well, like 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 games, you know, we'll talk about games because games are fun and we'll talk about YouTube because we all do it. But yeah, um, largely there's a whole family of other things that, you know, and even like I find at conventions, I always meet like a whole slew of, 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 I always make a whole slew of new friends and they might not all necessarily be like into that kind of like YouTube gaming space or whatever. So it's a, it's a mixed bag for sure. I think maybe part of it is that a lot of the people that are like in the circles I've traditionally met people in, their content area that they focus on is very professional related. Like, I'm going to blog about how to be better with money or like how to get a job and stuff. So then I, I, I had this assumption that if you make video game content, like that's your fun passion. That's all you want to talk about. And it's not, right, it's totally right, not right. true. I don't know why I made the assumption, but it just doesn't seem as like job y. As, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so and, I'm there, like, there, and there's definitely a there's definitely a gradient within that where I, I have a lot of friends who like they do gaming content and they love games. We're talking about mechanics all the time. Like for mm-hmm. like like for example, oh well, I don't I don't want to paste that caricature that I just illustrated on anybody. <laughs> so on a complete end of conversation, new conversation, I have friends who are very enthusiastic about games and they do them they make videos on the internet as well. For example, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Super Bunny Hop. There's a guy named George Weedman. Super analytical guy. Yeah. Super smart. Super nice. He's a part of the TOVG family. Like I met him in real life. We had a blast, played a whole bunch of games together. He is so passionate about games, so passionate about mechanics. And like while he was there, like he was just there to just take in like, like every, like, you know, to be in as many competitions as possible, to look at all these different retro games that he's seen, to share his knowledge with other people. And it was just an awesome time. And he's so enthusiastic. Meanwhile, I have friends like Greg, um, Gerard's partner on The Completionist. And like mm. we, when we get together, we talk zero about video games. We talk about music and like music and like <laughs> just cars, music. <laughs> music, cars, whatever, any anything else. Or like same with Nick. Like the, the, the whole reason that like Cinephilia Anonymous started was because like when we hung out, we never really talked about video games. We just talked about life and life in movies, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's cool. Bag. 
And I think that kind of like increases the likelihood I might go to something like SGC or something. And like yeah, meet dude, all the people. SGC yeah. and MAGFest are the ones. Like those are the ones where it's uh, super – it's fan-oriented. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like corporate-y and like there aren't like big banners or anything. So everyone's just hanging out. Everyone's having a good time. There's a lot of freedom. The freedom, there's a lot of free time and – yeah. You know. It For makes sure. me curious. How did MAGFest get so big, like being in Maryland? It seems like the it would be a tough place for a lot of people to get to. It does. I don't know how they did it, frankly. I mean, I, my guess is that they, they brought out the right guests or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the longest time I could remember, I know that um, John and his old partner, they have a Let's Play called Game Grumps. I know that they... Um, have been guests at that for a long time. I don't know if that's sort of what okay. um, brought a lot of people out. I feel like that might be what did. Yeah, um, I've been going. This year was my, I think it was my fourth year, my third or fourth year. But I remember the first year I went. I actually went by myself on a whim. I was meeting some friends there that I hadn't seen in a long time, and it was just sort of like I found out that it existed one day, and the next day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do something spontaneous, and I'm just going to drive five hours to like DC. <laughs> And have fun because I like games and I like music. And I didn't know that much about YouTube at the time, but I remember hearing that like that was a thing. So okay, like know. them being there, like John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. That, that, that that a whole bunch of like different talented YouTubers being there, and that YouTube was like a thing. I remember there being a panel for like how to make it on YouTube. In my head, like at that point in time, like YouTube was a very compelling place for videos of cats. Like I didn't really <laughs> know or care about what YouTube did. Well, it is a very compelling place for cats. Yes, yes. <laughs> especially if say Frank is voicing said videos about cats. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, say Frank. Oh my gosh! I just found like he had a he had a show called I think it was just called the show. Like, yeah, back in two thousand six, two thousand seven. College. Yeah, <laughs> I just found out about it today, and I watched a bunch of episodes. Yeah, I, I, don't, like, I don't even. This know. is like the start of vlogging. It was. It was, and it was so funny. Like that was when like the whole concept of like jump cuts and stuff were like fresh or like saying an idea not finishing and then jumping to another idea i was like whoa this is so like frantic mm. and cool i hope i wish there was more content like this yeah and then the internet gave me too much of- more than you could ever <laughs> handle yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and it's a lot of just like talking about whatever yeah. i don't know yours seem honestly i i assumed you were a journalism major when i found your channel really yeah that is a comp because I don't think I'm good at that. <laughs> but I mean, it seems like that's what you're trying to focus on. Like you use terms like ludonarrative dissonance, which I would only know because I've read journalistic articles about it. <laughs> and I'm like, he's not talking about the graphics and how much blood and gore there is. He's talking about like narrative stories and like the social political, I don't know, influences on the game, which is really cool. It's totally different than anything else you see usually. So, I mean, Paired that with just the way you structure your scripts and everything in your videos, I, I figured that, oh, he must be a journalist that just is really good at design. <laughs> like really good. That's really cool, man. I consider that a compliment. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take your invitation to ask you about stuff, like seriously, because I'll watch it and be like, where do you get those effects? Like the glitch transitions and like the cool line oh, like, uh, okay. TV lines and stuff. I don't even know where to find that stuff. Okay. Um so there's this app called apple motion it's old right? oh you in motion yeah <laughs> okay and okay the way that final cup I, so i i edit in final cut pro x final okay. cut pro x is 
amazing. And what it has is uh, it it integrates with Apple Motion templates um, so that you can create what the program recognizes as title transitions um, into effects that if you just lay it, if you just drag it on top of whatever video it is, it'll add that effect to the video. So it like, it's like a, a modulator thing. I don't know. So that seems in, easy. Right. So in Apple motion, um, there are already a bunch of like presets and stuff in there where you can okay. like make effects for like videos and stuff like that. And you can like modify them and, um, export them and bring them into Final Cut Pro X. And then on top of that, um, a lot of, I mean, I get a lot of inspiration from fcp.co. It's okay. just this open Final Cut community where people submit different things that they're working on, you know what I mean? Like whether it be plugins or whatever. And uh, I think if you go there, you're not going to find like this. Well, I don't, I, I don't want to diss the community because the community is great and enthusiastic and makes really cool tools that I've used, um, that I've used as is before. But you definitely, I don't think you're going to find like a holy grail of stuff. And I think some of it just has to do with the fact that not a lot of people are using Final Cut Pro X. A lot of people are using Premiere Pro. Premiere Pro. Yeah. Um, but of the stuff you find there, you can tweak all of it to your liking. You know okay. what I mean? And so with things like anti-semantics, like I got a lot of stuff from there, like just tweaking and, we're all tweakers, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm gonna have to find like translations from this over to my workflow because I edit on Windows, so it's After sure. Effects and Premiere Pro for me. But I'm sure. sure I can find things that are similar. I was literally just thinking about that. Like today, I was like, I was thinking about how uh, we can talk more about it offline. But okay. from 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 a from a very general standpoint, like my thoughts were kind of like, well, I'm using Final Cut. I love Final Cut. I don't really see a reason to leave it. Like because I, I'm I'm at this point where um I can sing with that software. Like I'm not thinking about how I have to do what I do. If I think of something, I can just make it. And that yeah. I that freedom is like it takes time to like get there. So I I'm I'm glad that I can do that and that's all I need. Um but I do realize that a lot of design houses, a lot of my favorite editors are using Premiere Pro. And I, I know that part of it is the fact that it integrates so well with After Effects. Now, for me, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily bottlenecked by that because their Premiere to After Effects is my Final Cut to Motion or just Final Cut to Final Cut because Final Cut does special effects as well. Mm. Um, but um, I, I definitely want to dig into it. And see what it's like. Cause you, you never know down the road what knowing those tools might be like. And I, I don't know. I might find out the workflow is faster. Like generally, how do you feel about using that combo? What, what's it been like? Like how's, has it been treating you? Well, it's, it's hard for me to say. I love Premiere Pro. Um, for After Effects, all I have done is, I mean, if you've seen any of the videos I do, the only thing that I've done in After Effects is the like text quotes that type themselves out with the typewriter effect. Sure. And then I just sort of like, I don't even know if there's a better way to do this. I actually export it and render it as uh, MP4 and then just drag it in, like import it to uh, Premiere and just okay. drag it on the top on the timeline. I don't know. I I should. That's the problem with making a video every week. Like since you're on a deadline, you're like, I'm going to use the things I've learned, and then there's no time to ever learn anything new. Right, so, right, right, yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm hoping that I can sort of offload some of my work and start niching down into specific areas for a while and be like, okay, I'm going to take this week to really dig into After Effects. Definitely, um, definitely. I saw the, the, do you know the Crash Course channel at all? That sounds so familiar. It's a, like, 
John Green from Vlog Brothers does it, and then it's like a world. It's like a educational channel. So they have a world history series and like a science series and U.S. history, and it's all like uh, him like talking on a nicely made set. But then like lots of anima- uh, animations are drawn in there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. They posted like a thirty second, like super sped up clip of the people who made the animations, like their After Effects workflow, and I was just like blown away by how much work went into like a single animation. That's so crazy. many layers and, and morphing images and stuff. And I'm just like, I just type text and yeah, tell yeah. It when to render and tween it. That's it. Yeah. So I want to learn some more stuff. I would love to bring more effects into it. Like one of my biggest priorities is making videos that really justify the use of video. I think, because if it's just a talking head, right. you know, no, why don't make totally a podcast? So totally with you. Yeah. It's this weird in between thing. And I actually, I might be making a mistake by talking about it, right? But like, (laughs) I I have a lot of unprocessed thoughts on it. So disclaimer, unprocessed thoughts. I never want to demerit somebody else's art, like somebody else's Mm -hmm. medium of conveyance because they're all important. Um, and ranking them as a waste of time. Um, but I'm finding, it is, it is objectively true that right now video is the most compelling way to convey information. Mm. Um, TLDR is a mimetic thing, but it's also partially a very real thing because no one is that interested in reading long form generally. Mm. Um, I am, but I know that I'm in the minority. And, and obviously that depends on the context. I think for things like I learned something new today or... I don't know. Even tutorials, like long form, it's people are like, come on, come on, you know? And uh, maybe some of it's impatience, or maybe some of it is just there's better ways to communicate specific things, you know? Yeah. And uh, I found that video is just an objectively successful way of conveying those things. And on many occasions, I'll be in the middle of writing a, a blog for something. And even now, like I wanted to write a reflection on my past year and I'm in the middle, I'm still in the middle of writing it right now. Um, in the middle of it, I realized I've been, I've been journaling. I'm a journaler. I've been journaling since I'm six, since I was 16, like at least five days a week, like writing down what happened. Cause it's just, for me, it's just like really important. And yeah. like, you, you kind of grow in like subterranean ways as well. Like even just with writing and like vocabulary and things like that. But like the, even though I love that so much, and I always make sure to put all my most personal things in writing. I'm realizing, no, it's it's time. It's time that this stuff has to be video. And yeah. I think a lot of ver- journalists are catching on to that. And what you find is that a lot of YouTube content um, will have, I know for me, specifically for gaming, like stellar journalism. And it's a guy reading his article. He's reading his blog over gameplay for yeah. like an extended amount of time. And I'm split. I'm I'm honestly split. And I I take full responsibility if it's if it's like demeriting other people's work. I don't. This isn't my final opinion. Everything on the internet is so final. And yeah. <laughs> there's there's no notion of a playground, which is unfair in some ways. But um, these are these are these are playground thoughts right now. But in in my head, I'm split. Where I totally respect like spoken word and the written part of what they're doing, but it almost cheapens the vehicle they're using. Like it almost seems 
it sometimes, sometimes if I look at it from a certain angle, it seems cheap that you're using the right medium that everyone's going to go to where they're going to watch the video because people want to watch the video. But this is just a blog. Of, this is just a blog over gameplay footage and mm. you're not taking full advantage of the vehicle. And in some ways, especially if you're criticizing games for not taking care of all the facets of their medium for conveyance, you're a hypocrite because. Because you're not taking full <laughs> advantage of the video. So I know yeah. that's so it's such a controversial thing to say. And I don't I'm not sitting here like on some high horse, like, oh well, I'm taking full advantage. Because I'm mm. like in some ways I'm still learning and I, I don't have it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um but I, the reason I say that isn't against certain unsaid people who are doing this and it's pissing me off, but because I criticize myself with that all the time. Sometimes mm. I have something that I want to say. I've done it in the past too. And like in my video, there will be a chunk of gameplay and it's running so long. And in my head, like the aesthetic part of me is saying that's too long. There needs to be variation because this is a video, but right. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, I don't know. Well, I think if, you know, if you're applying the opinion to yourself and your own work, it's perfectly valid. And I see it that way too. Uh, my friend Tyler, he was telling me about why he liked my videos. And he's like, I like your videos because every 15 seconds is like a morphine drip. I'm going to get something new, like some new element will come on the screen or a quote or something. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want. And it's not that I'm going to criticize other people for, you know, using the medium in like a less than optimal way. Because I think if you, if you stick your neck out and make something, and like you truly made a good effort. Like I'm going to appreciate that because you might, right. you might have just not made it in the first place. Exactly. 100% Anything is better than agree. nothing. But for me, I know like I could do thing X where I just talk at the camera in my, in my case, cause I don't do game videos or if I, if I was doing game, it could be just game footage and talking, but I know I could push myself further and be a lot more satisfied with the final product. If I just put a little bit of extra effort into it. And it Definitely. might not even be a little bit. It might be more than a little bit, you know? Yeah. But and, and even it's more worth so, it. Yeah. And, and even more so, sometimes there are restraints. Like if you're putting out daily content, you just can't do that, you know? Yes. And, and like there are so many like polished, highly produced things that are just focused on B-roll while something else is happening. Or yeah. like like there's a there's a place for that. So that's where I feel like I'm not so headstrong in believing that because there are definitely i mean to say that there's no place for minimalism to say that there's no place for consolidating certain things or putting giving certain things more value than others is silly <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean and it's it, it's very ignorant to how art history has operated right but um yeah always there's always like a wrestle with that kind of stuff i guess exactly yeah and i guess i see it this way like and maybe you have the same opinion sometimes you'll make something and like the act of publishing it will just give you like this euphoric high. Like I put so much effort into it. I did something new. Like I created something amazing. I'm just like super stoked to put this out. And then if it's, if it's like less like, Oh, I just did this this week. You know, it's a little bit lower and like lower effort. I did it because I committed to a certain publishing schedule. You know, there's not much of like a high that comes with putting it out. You just did it. And I want as much as possible to be able to put out things that like give me that incredibly stoked feeling like I made that it's insane, you know? So that's, that's my opinion on it. Like, I just want to strive to make it as cool as possible. And for, I guess from my criteria of what cool is for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, whatever that is. And I think like watching the kind of stuff that you make and like just that kind of content is what really turned me on to it. Cause at first it was like, I will make videos because video is compelling as a medium and it will be successful. And now it's like, I'll make videos because it's art 
and I can't, I couldn't think of like having more fun making other things. So (laughs) I guess like the book was, the book was fun too, because the book was like, holy crap, I wrote that. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I would be so stoked, man. That sounds so awesome. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The book, how how long was that process? Like the whole, whole way? It was a few months, I think. Okay. Okay. So I got to be totally honest here. Um, I had an idea for another book like two years ago. And over the past like two years, I had been trying to write it. But it was always this like thought where all I got to do is take a weekend, man, go to the university, plop myself in the chair, lock myself in the library and just crank out this book. It's just it'll be done in two days, man. I know. I know it will. And it never happened, of course. You know, <laughs> and I, I just started learning more about habits and human behavior and you know our ability to create rituals. So I was like, all right, what if I just wrote 500 words a day? Even if it was crap, even if it was terrible. Sure. So, um, at the same time, I talked to somebody who has published some books in the past and he's like, you're, you're primed to have a book published traditionally. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll take this idea for this book I've been sitting on for two years and maybe try to get it published, but I want to give something to my subscribers for free. So the initial idea was to make, uh, the 10 steps book be like 5,000 words, not that long. And then I applied the 500 word per day thing to it. I'm like, it'll be done in 10 days. But what ended up happening is I would outline, I outlined the whole thing. And then like the 500 words would go into one section of the outline instead of filling up like uh, the, the predicted, you know, amount of words. So I ended up with 22,000 words, 26,000 words. And the end of it, like <laughs> <laughs> over five times longer than it was supposed to be. <laughs> so I just kind of inadvertently wrote like this full length book that I'd said would be free. So it's free. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it's a lot of nights of just like, it's 1030. I'm ready to go to bed. I don't know about you, but I'm like an early bed guy. I and, am too. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, I'm just going to crank out 500 words. Most of it's just like, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be doing right. This. <laughs> that makes you do. That makes me feel so much better. I'm like, I'm like the only person out of my YouTuber friends. Who's not a night owl. Everyone else wakes oh, really? up at 2 PM. Actually, no, 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 no. That's a lie. It's that's another thing me and Nick connected off of. We both try to go to sleep before midnight. I think uh, Austin's getting into that routine too. That's like right. On yeah, Twitter, he, he talked yeah, about he that. talked about yeah, he talked about getting into that. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's funny. Like when I used to be a night owl, I would get a lot done at night. But for whatever reason, if I get up past eight a.m., I just like feel like the day's shot. I don't know what it is about it. I, maybe it's like just like this knowledge that oh noon's less than four hours away and then once noon once you hit noon i'm just like it's like this slow march to the evening and i like, feel i feel that way about nine i usually get yeah. up at seven and then lately i've been making a conscious effort to get up at six okay and like i just to like i don't know i guess i want to have an hour to i guess i feel more is it more rested? I'm not sure what the adjective is, but it helps me if I'm even just taking my time to get ready. Yeah. Like taking my sweet time to get ready for the day. You just get to be deliberate about getting into the day rather than letting the demands of the day push you into it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like I don't like that the morning happens to me and then I'm, a, and then I'm awake sort of at work. Like I'd rather that's, get to work and like, yes, be that's there. a perfect way of putting it. The morning happens to you. Like yeah. I want, I want my, I want to be able to design my morning. Yeah. And I mean, I don't have to go to a job, but I have to like start work for the day and I have a plan, but I want to be able to like eat breakfast, 
sit down and watch a couple of YouTube videos and relax and drink my coffee before yeah. I get into the works of the day's work. And if it's eight, I'm like, no, gotta start working. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise we'll be up till 10. <laughs> Definitely. So getting up early is awesome. Uh, man, we've talked for like an hour and a half or an hour and 10 minutes on an hour and a half. Oh but. shoot. You're right. <laughs> it, didn't feel, it didn't feel like it, dude. It's like late for you, isn't it? It's like, uh, it's not 31. Eh. Okay. <laughs> Cool. Well, you know, I, I I'm sure people will get something out of this, and we could definitely like, keep talking. But maybe all yeah, it's like them. okay, we can keep talking. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we can definitely do that. I'm gonna I'll, I'll just wrap up the episode, and then we can just keep it going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what I usually do is just like give people a chance to rep whatever it is they want to rep. So, um, yeah, where can people find your work and connect with you online, man? Okay, so I have a YouTube channel. I talk about games and music. Uh, it's youtube.com slash satchbagsgoods. Channel's called satchbagsgoods. Everything ends in slash satchbagsgoods. So on Twitter, I'm pretty frequent tweeting, uh, twitter.com slash satchbagsgoods. Facebook, you can also get updates there. Facebook's your jam. Facebook.com slash satchbagsgoods. And, um, I recently started a podcast with my buddy, Nick Murphy. Okay. Um, if you do, if you happen to watch YouTube videos, you might be familiar with the continue show. Yeah. Just one third of that. And, um, we, you know, every week we have this master list that we alternate on choosing off of, um, for movies. Sometimes the movies are classics. Sometimes they're fairly new. Sometimes they absolutely suck and we watch them and we talk about it for an hour around so a half an hour to an hour. Um, all the different things in it from videography stuff, since we both make films to, um, narrative and, you know, how it made us feel, et cetera, et cetera. We started bonfire. It's good times. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, that's called Cinephilia anonymous and you can check that out on iTunes or youtube.com slash CA telecast. And we just recently got a, uh, on the iTunes new and note- noteworthy list. Well, I don't know if it was recent. I just remember looking at the list and then I saw us on it and I was like, oh, shoot, that's a thing. That's really yeah. So if you're on the fence, don't be silly. <laughs> I guess people seem <laughs> Go to check it, it out. Go check it out. Yeah. That's, that's the most brazen pu- push I've ever made anything <laughs> in my life. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Dude, it, compared to like some people who – are like doing interviews because they have a book coming out. Like it's not at all. So, oh no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Like there's all this like theory in podcasting because podcasting is blowing up now with cereal and everything. So everyone's like, man, you got to have a perfect launch. You have to really take advantage of your time in the new and noteworthy and get as many reviews and, sub- and subscribers as possible. I like did not do that. <laughs> I just like threw up one episode and just let it kind of do what it did. So I probably stunned my growth, but it's it's actually picking up quite a bit now, so I just think being consistent about it. But yeah, the one thing I want to note, um, you guys have for, for like people who are just doing a, like Skype interviews for a podcast, you guys have found a way to make the video pleasing to watch. Because I know like a lot of people just take the two things, like maybe throw them into ScreenFlow and just make a YouTube video. But you guys coordinated your backdrops and like oh, yeah. overlaid the logo to make it look like you were in the same room. And I had to look really hard to see that you guys were not in the same oh, room. Oh yeah. Sometimes I go like that and like my hand just like yeah. slips. <laughs> <laughs> and you have like this like sweet like 80s vibe going on with the design and everything. I don't know. I love the intro. It's amazing. Do you have like a like a 
weird thing to pan your camera perfectly smooth. Oh yeah, I have a glide track. It's a really bad one. It's so oh, it? bad. Yeah, it's like it's like the worst, cheapest one I ever got. I have to like do it like twenty times and then go through the cuts and I find it and then I stabilize the footage and it works. Okay. Um, I found a better one. So if you're ever looking for one, I can recommend you one. That's okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just a it's just a glide track. Oh, I don't know if you saw the room tour I did, but most of the footage is just handheld, and I'm just like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple shots where I put it on the tripod and like nicely even did the bokeh effect and then the rest of them are all handheld i'm like oh no go back to the the one right on the tripod <laughs> but yeah i don't have a glide track and my tripod unfortunately has a ball mount which okay. is really nice for photography because you can pull the trigger and get it perfectly set the way you want but for oh, video for it video? doesn't pan well because it's a ball mount it goes right right, it right. definitely yeah. so i'm probably gonna have to invest in a tripod for actual video I think I bought my tripod for photography thinking I would use it a lot and I don't. <laughs> now when I travel, I'm like, do I want to bring my camera with me? No, I got my iPhone. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that too. <laughs> and it becomes a tougher decision every time the new iPhone comes out because the camera gets better and better. Yeah. So, but yeah, man, this has been a really fun conversation. Seriously. And I will, I will note this might be one of the episodes where you want to go to the show notes because I'll put some of the videos that you've made in there and, they're really cool to check out. Usually show notes just like link to things, but I'll embed a couple of videos. Cool, man. Dude, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for reaching out. It's, it's been a pleasure just yeah, man. chatting, chilling. Thanks for coming to the show. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Satchel and me. And uh, I'm going to do this outro really quickly because we're running really, really long. But if you've got questions, thomas at collegeinfogeek.com is my email address. You can find my favorite resources for being a better college student over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. We will find my favorite books, tools I use, sites where you can find deals on textbooks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, real good stuff. You can subscribe to the show by going to the show notes at cigpodcast.com. And there you'll find the episode 50 list or link go to the blog post for that there is a link to subscribe it shows you how to review the show if you want to which definitely helps support the show and drive it up the rankings in itunes and you'll also find some of satchel's videos which as i said are amazing definitely check them out and if you have any aspirations of making videos um, of your own in the future he's an amazing guy to learn from so definitely subscribe to his channel and his podcast as well so that's it uh until next week stay cute Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.